Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion Podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. On Friday morning, traditional Catholics around the world recoiled in horror at news from Rome. In 2007, Pope Benedict XVI had revived traditional worship in the Catholic Church with his apostolic letter Summorum Pontificum, removing nearly all restrictions on the celebration of the Latin Tridentine Mass. Pope Francis has just torn up that document, and he's done so while Benedict XVI is still alive, thus destroying the signature achievement of Benedict's reign, which was a modest but very enthusiastic revival of ancient liturgies, especially in Europe and North America. Francis's apostolic letter, Traditionis Custodes, seeks to relegate Catholics who prefer the traditional rite to a status they haven't enjoyed, if that's the word, since the time of Paul VI, that of second-class citizens. Not only does it impose sweeping new restrictions, forcing priests who wish to celebrate the old rite to seek permission from their bishops, and significantly apparently banning its celebration in parish churches, but both the document and the accompanying letter speak of Catholics, and especially groups of Catholics who adhere to the old rite, with pretty much undisguised contempt. It claims that Benedict's Summorum Pontificum had been exploited to widen the gaps, reinforce the divergences, and encourage disagreements that injure the Church, block her path, and expose her to the peril of division. But the implication that Benedict's Summorum Pontificum had somehow gone wrong in its application, and that the Pope was reluctantly taking necessary corrective steps, is a fiction. Francis has always hated Samorum Pontificum. So did the retired cardinals known as the St. Gallen Mafia who organised his election. It's one of the reasons they got him the job. So why wait 14 years to tear up Benedict's document? We can only speculate. I think one reason is that nobody expected the Pope Emeritus to still be alive so long after he resigned. Perhaps Francis, who's just had major colon surgery, worried that he might actually die before his predecessor. At any rate, this is an extraordinarily cruel humiliation to inflict on the 94-year-old retired Pope. It's as if Francis wanted him to die a broken man. But, say, supporters of Traditionis Custodis, who are fewer in number than you might expect, look at the divisive opposition to Pope Francis that has been nurtured by enthusiasts for the old right. And it's true that in addition to drawing attention to the surprising level of corruption under this pontificate and the theological incoherence of many of the positions taken by Francis, certain traditionists have retreated into the realm of conspiracy theory. They've accused Francis of being an agent of a new world order whose tentacles, a bit like Protestant fundamentalists, they see everywhere. But they are not representative of most people who attend the extraordinary form of the Mass, as Benedict called it. Indeed, such people were far more representative of the traditionalist movement before Samorum Pontificum. Benedict's intention was to allow ordinary Catholics to experience the riches of the old liturgy, and in this he was successful. The hatchet-faced bigots that I remember from my childhood were replaced by, at worst, rather annoying fogies. But, at best, and this is far more common, Catholics absolutely suffused with their love of the liturgy, a love which then manifested itself in some of the most effective Christian witness that the Catholic Church had seen for decades. So it looks as if what's happening is that Francis, in a very characteristic attempt to get back at the people who hate him, 
a relatively small number of activist traditionalists whose hatred of him isn't essentially liturgical, has lopped off one of the few branches of the Catholic tree that isn't visibly withering. Or at least that's what he's trying to do. One thing Traditionis Custodis is not is a well-drafted document. Its demand that the old maths no longer be celebrated in parish churches is both shocking and confusing. It hands back power to the local bishop to regulate the celebration of the old mass in their diocese. Is it therefore telling them that they're forbidden to authorise it in any parish church? Some of the responses from dioceses around the world indicate that their bishops will simply authorise the celebration of the old mass in the places where it's already being held, including parish churches. These are early days, but I think there's a striking lack of enthusiasm in the responses of bishops who themselves don't celebrate the old rite and don't feel attached to it, but who enjoy cordial relations with communities who do. Middle-of-the-road bishops can recognise a mean-spirited document when they see one, and this is nothing if not mean-spirited. We shall have to see what role Vatican enforcers play in all this. Ominously, the Congregation for Divine Worship is now run by Archbishop Arthur Roach, formerly Bishop of Leeds, a control freak who first came to my attention when he started trying to undermine the application of Samorum Pontificum in his own diocese. There's a streak of the witchfinder in Roach, and that doesn't bode well for diocesan bishops, whose main intention will be to minimise the intense suffering caused by this papal hatchet job. On the other hand, unfortunately, there are archbishops of great metropolitan sees who intensely dislike the old rite of mass and the people who attend it, and who will relish the opportunity to squash its celebration in prominent churches. For example, it will be interesting to see what happens in Chicago. It's really not easy to sugar this particular pill. The Roman pontiff is an absolute monarch, and if he's also a pathological score settler, then you're in trouble. But, that said, there are obviously right and wrong ways to handle this sort of crisis. And traditionalists are now asking themselves, how much of a fight should we put up? And if so, what sort of fight? Traditional Catholics will lose their hard-won legitimacy inside the main body of the Church if they behave as if Francis isn't the Vicar of Christ and can be defied like anybody else who annoys them. If they do that, they'll effectively be validating the Begolian conspiracy theory that lies behind this new document. But they do need a plan. I've been talking to some of the Vatican commentators I most respect, and what they're saying is, don't let your justified anger at this assault, which is essentially what it is, cloud your judgment. Traditionis Custodis may have been conceived in a spirit of malice, but it is, like the document it rescinds, a motu proprio, part of the law of the church. It says priests must seek permission from their bishop to celebrate the old rite, and that's what they must do. And, like countless generations of persecuted Catholics before them, they may be forced by the authorities to celebrate Mass in less than ideal circumstances. They will know that by following the rules, no one, not even Pope Francis, can accuse them of doing anything wrong. And the beautiful reasoning of a hermeneutical continuity that underpinned Samorum Pontificum isn't, I think, destroyed by a single poison pen letter from Rome, whatever its legal status. They mustn't fall into the trap, which Benedict expressly warned them against, of trashing the new rite of mass. Then there's the complicated question of the Second Vatican Council. 
I think it stands to reason that people who attend a pre-consular rite of mass aren't its biggest fans. But I don't get the impression that younger enthusiasts for a Latin mass, of whom there are many, demonised the council, which after all happened many years before they were born, in the same way as their predecessors did. They're mystified and bored by elderly liberals' habit of elevating the Second Vatican Council to the status of fourth person in the Blessed Trinity. Young Tridentine Catholics sometimes dress as if they lived in the 1950s, but when you talk to them, you quickly discover that they don't actually incorporate the social attitudes of that era. You don't find them expressing the sort of prehistoric views on women or gay people that, according to several reports, Pope Francis sometimes lets slip in private. But then he's an 84-year-old Argentinian who's grown intellectually lazy in his old age. By his own admission, he doesn't consume much media, though his obsessive construction of caricatures suggests that he might still read the comic strips. To a far greater degree than Joseph Ratzinger, at least when Ratzinger was Pope, his interest lies in fighting the battles of the 1960s and 70s. And the most charitable interpretation I can put on Traditionis Custodis is that that's what he's doing here. I hesitate to say that he's fighting a dirty war, but if you read, as everybody should, Henry Sears' book The Dictator Pope, which covers much of his time in Argentina, you'll find plenty of evidence of the sort of lashing out you find in this document and in the papal letter that accompanies it. Francis made up his mind decades ago what traditionalists were like, pharisaical spiritual bullies, and he's not going to change his mind. The fact that he himself has quite a reputation for bullying within the Vatican just ask people who work in the Curia, is just one of the ironies of this pontificate. What traditionists have got to realise is that everybody has noticed this now. One Vatican commentator was telling me that the most striking thing about the document was the lack of interest it showed in liturgical questions, and, in contrast, its determined stigmatisation of traditionalists. Essentially, the whole Latin mass community has found itself arraigned on trumped-up charges of being counter-revolutionaries, found guilty without a chance to make a defence, and is having to sit back and watch Benedict XVI's signature teaching on the old liturgy, Saborum Pontificum, torn up in their faces. And that will offend against the sense of fair play. Bishops around the world, who may not have been very keen on Saborum Pontificum in the first place, but who understand that Catholics shouldn't be treated like this. And I think they'll be more receptive to the argument that this is just plain wrong, than they would have been a few years ago. Now that, to be honest about it, Francis really has been compromised by claims that he hasn't told the truth about some of the sexual crimes and financial misdemeanours committed by his allies and lieutenants. He's also definitely been compromised by the appalling deal with Beijing, which allows the Chinese government to stage masses in which hymns are sung to Mao and President Xi, and loyal Catholics are being told to attend these syncretic, barely Christian services on the instructions of the Vatican. Francis doesn't seem to have a problem with that. If he does, he hasn't said anything about it, but he does have a problem, we now know, with Catholics scrupulously adhering to the Missal of 1962. And that's not fair. Traditionalist Catholics, therefore, must find a way of tapping into this sense of natural justice and its breach of appealing to the very large number of bishops, I think, who will be dismayed by this document, and making it clear that they'll abide by its terms in the expectation that it won't survive this pontificate. 
That doesn't mean Sir Moran Pontificum will be coming back. I certainly don't think we'll ever hear the terms extraordinary form and ordinary form again, and perhaps that's not a bad thing. It may be that we have to forgive a cliche think outside the box in terms of a single Roman rite which incorporates the best of the old and the new liturgies. But this badly drafted and rather malicious document cries out for replacement by whoever succeeds Francis. And I think many liberal cardinals would be open to something more accommodating and more generous, particularly if, as I expect will happen, Latin Mass Catholics will continue to grow in their enthusiasm for the old liturgy, despite, or perhaps because of, this very factional attack on them. But in the short term, they're going to feel very, very sad and betrayed by the Vicar of Christ. And it's no consolation to be able to say to them, well, I told you what he was like.